But after that breakfast, no sleeping. No sleeping. I could not believe it. Pancakes, scrambled eggs, fried potatoes, this kind of potato, boiled eggs, gogurts. Hey, I don't know what a gogurt is because I've got grandchildren, but uh, man, did the Dills do a wonderful job, supported by a wonderful staff of volunteers, their small group, and how blessed we are. But it is truly uh, a day that we celebrate the risen Lord. We celebrate Christ and His resurrection every week that we gather. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ every day of our lives if we're a believer. But there's just something special about the church coming together on Easter morning when the sun is shining and we are thankful to God for His goodness and kindness in our lives. Amen? God is so good. I encourage you, if you have made room in your heart for the Lord, if you have confessed His name and believed in your heart that He is the Savior of the world, if you've devoted your life to Him, I encourage you to be loyal, loyal to your Father, not in any perfected way, but in your imperfection. Just be loyal to the Lord. Show up, show up in the good times, show up in the difficult times, But be faithful to the Lord throughout your life. Be one that perseveres even though the world wages war, the power of Satan against God's holy and elect. God is good and God has defeated this world. He has defeated Satan and on his return... The return of Jesus Christ in the twinkling of an eye, in the flash, at the last trumpet, all that have died in him shall be saved. Isn't that worth praising and being happy about? Because it gives us a true hope that no matter what we deal with and face in this life, we can face it in hope because of the resurrection. There is a song that says... Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because the Lord lives, we all can face tomorrow no matter what it brings. But we see in the world people who live without Christ and who do not have that hope when destruction and calamity and disaster and disease and heartbreak and All kinds of hard, difficult things come upon them. They collapse. Do you know that suicide is at its highest rate of all times? People choosing to take their life because they are hopeless and they are empty and they see nothing in the future. Christ Jesus changes that. No matter what you lose in this world, no matter what you have to go through in this lifetime, and you will go through troubles, Jesus says, in this life, you will struggle. You will have heartache. He tells his disciples, you will know grief and sorrow of the likes that you've never known or experienced. 
Paul, the great apostle, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that he got to a point in his life because of the difficulty of his ministry that he despaired of life. But he thanked God through the power of Christ Jesus who was renewing and refreshing his spirit. And you and I, if we are in Christ, have the Holy Spirit living in us, encouraging us, speaking us on in faith, counseling us and guiding us. But if you don't have the blood of Christ in your life, if his blood has not cleansed you, if you've not taken a stand and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on that old good cross. I believe that he did that for the sin of the world so that he gave me, you, the world, the opportunity to belong to him. You are still in your sin. And you can enjoy the Easter day. And you can leave this facility and go back to your life. Eat with your family and die tonight or tomorrow. And you're not in the Lord. Why have you not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Seek Him. Cry out to Him. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. Pray. And whenever He pricks your spirit, fall on your knees before Him and say, I see you, Lord, and I believe. In the gospel, there is the power of God. The power of righteousness for all. Righteousness in that we accept what he's done for us and he cleanses us from our sin in spite of our evil selves and he forgives us and we are his. And that is offered to all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life if you leave here and he is not yours and you've not professed, you've not believed, you are lost and still in your sin and you don't have to leave here that way. That is the power of the gospel. And I encourage us all, believers, let us give thanks and let us praise, and let us be devoted, and let us be loyal. But may the Spirit of God prick your hearts if you're not living for Him and you're not dying in Him. I could not imagine, could not even imagine being in heaven without my wife. She's everything to me. We've got 40 years of history together. And I praise God that I know that she will be there with me, whoever goes first or whether we go together. But I can face whatever I have to face. She can face whatever she has to face. Parents, grandparents who are believers. That's why we've got to be so involved in our grandchildren's lives. Telling them about Jesus wherever we're walking with them to the garden or outside on a playground. We talk to them about the Lord because we want them to know the Lord. We pray, oh God, 
prick their hearts and call them to you, Lord. Call them. Let them be servants of you, the Most High God. I couldn't imagine being in heaven without my children. I love my daughter, Ashley. I love my son, James. I could not imagine. And I am so thankful that the faith that I see in them is a sincere faith. Isn't it great, parents, to know that your children are saved, redeemed, and love the Lord? It is a great feeling. I couldn't imagine those three grandsons, those three boys, those three wild boys. I couldn't imagine not being reunited with them in heaven. Who is it that's sitting by you? Who is it in your family that doesn't know the Lord, who hasn't made a decision for Him? This really is a matter of eternal life and eternal death, but not eternal death in the sense of just spiritual annihilation that you just cease to exist. That's just not true. It's not of Scripture. But eternal death in terms of being separated from God, His Son, the Holy Spirit, as Jude would put it, as being wandering stars in eternal darkness. And so I plead with you this morning to listen to the Spirit of God. Ask the Spirit to prick your heart if you don't believe, but you want to believe, but you don't know how to believe. And make Him your Lord and Savior. The stone was not rolled away so that he could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we could get in. That's why Jesus in his resurrected body was able to all of a sudden be in a house where the doors and everything was locked. He was just there. His resurrected body was like ours, but not quite like ours. It was different. He could still eat. He could still say to Thomas, who didn't believe, Thomas, quit doubting. Put your fingers in my side where they ran that sword in, where they crucified me with the spikes. Check out my wrists. Look at my feet. It was like our body, but not like our body. And so as we think about loyalty and devotion, I want to call your attention to this passage of Scripture that comes in John 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And today I just really want us to focus on the idea, as we know in Scripture, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, What we are told in Scripture, there are these women and the beloved disciple John. And that's all we're told. And I think it's pretty insightful. Whenever we look at Jesus at the most difficult condition in his life, where he's experiencing the most pain and soon 
separation from the Father. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The flesh, I believe, crying out in its pain and agony. Jesus is on that cross willingly. No one is taking his life from him. He is giving it out of love for the Father and obedience to the Father and out of love for mankind, God's creation. But he's still flesh. And here at his most vulnerable time, who's near him? His mother. His mother. Do you remember? We celebrate it often at Christmas. Mary is bringing Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And Simeon, the old man and prophet, who's been told by God, you will see the Christ child before you die, is led by the Spirit out of the temple into the temple courts, and he takes Jesus in his arm and he pronounces the blessing, but tells Mary, a sword will pierce your heart. And that's what's happening to Mary right now. A sword is piercing her heart. But it's piercing the hearts of others. Because she looks and sees her son that she loves nailed to the cross and dying. She, like the other disciples, heard Jesus say, I'm going to die for this purpose I've come into the world. But on the third day I will resurrect. And I don't know if any." theology can give us the answer why the disciples, the apostles, the family just did not understand it. But I guess the best description is we wouldn't have understood it either. We would have been moved by Jesus' teachings. He would have spoke with this great authority. When someone speaks from God and there is an anointing in what they are saying, it just sits on your heart, your spirit, and your mind right. And you know this is a powerful truth that is coming from God. But she, the mother, didn't understand and believe that even her son would one day, three days later, resurrect from the grave. She's grieving. But the real emphasis that I want us to see is in this name, Mary Magdalene. What do we know about Mary? Well, we see that in the book of Mark, chapter 16, the resurrection of Jesus takes place the first day of the week. That's a Sunday morning. But he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, of whom he had driven out seven spirits. Now, just remember, Mary's there at the cross with the mother of Jesus and her sister, Mary. And here we're told that this Mary Magdalene, at one stage in her life, had seven evil, demonic messengers of Satan in her. You know... Demons are the fallen angels that were kicked out of heaven. They followed Satan in the battle of heaven where Satan tried to take over the heavenly realms. And it says, God cast Satan down from heaven like a bolt of lightning. 
But everything you read about Satan is evil. It is destructive. He tears down. He breaks. He hurts. He murders. He kills. He lies. And so on and so on. And in his messengers, the same takes place. And so here is this woman, before meeting Jesus, she is consumed, whether it's her own fault or whether she was simply possessed, we don't know. But we know the destructive force that was in her life. And her life was miserable. Her life was full of darkness. And then she meets Jesus. Now, Mary may be the extreme compared to you in your life, and maybe she's not. But just like Mary, we all met Jesus at some point where there was darkness in our lives, evil in our lives, ungodliness in our lives, and absolutely separated from God because of our sin. And here's Mary. And it seems like the gospel writers just want to show that here is Mary Magdalene who was dark and evil because of these demonic forces. But Jesus in his love and authority cast them out and now there is this change in her life. And she is so changed that there is courage beyond courage, loyalty beyond loyalty, devotion beyond devotion, sacrifice beyond sacrifice. Because when the one that she loves that touched her heart and gave her a new life, and no one can take away what God had done in her life. She knows it. She's experienced it just like we know it and we have experienced it if we're here. But she's there. She's at the foot of the cross. She doesn't leave his side. She doesn't scatter. She doesn't abandon him. She is loyal to the very end. And I encourage you, as I encourage myself, rise up, stand up, and be loyal to your Savior to the very end of your lives. Don't abandon Him. Don't flee. Don't grow lukewarm. Don't take your eyes off of Him. Live for Him who died and resurrected for you. And tell your story to anyone that will listen. Challenge them. Confront them. Do it in humble boldness. Do it in kindness. Do it in love. But speak out. How will they believe unless they hear the message? Not everybody gets to see Jesus resurrected literally and in person. That's why he commissioned his witnesses. Many of those witnesses saw him in person. 
Over a period of 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to over 500 of the brethren all at the same time to give them many convincing proofs that he was alive. But oh, Thomas, remember what Thomas said? Even after Jesus had showed himself to the twelve and Thomas wasn't there, they tell Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, unless I see for myself and put my finger in his wounds, I'm not going to believe. Is that the way you are? And Jesus shows up and he reveals himself to Thomas. And Jesus says, here, put your finger in my side. The fact is, the Gospels after Jesus' resurrection, on the evening of that resurrection in that locked room, that upper room, he appears to them, and the text tells us that he rebukes them. It's a rebuke in love, but he rebukes them for not believing. In John 16, there is a part of Scripture that says it is a sin not to believe in Jesus. In fact, Jesus says to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will come. He will be your helper. And he will guide you into all truths. And he will condemn the world in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. In regards to sin because they've not believed in the one and only Son of God. It may not hit people right, but the reality is God has made himself so known through the person of Jesus Christ that the world is without excuse. It is a sin not to believe in Jesus. It's a sin not to believe in Jesus. The second thing I'd say about Mary Magdalene in relationship to you, Jesus can change you. No one has gone so far and become so hardened that Jesus can't change them. But we do have to surrender and we have to bow down to him. I didn't hear this commentary that I was told this morning. But at the Michigan basketball game the other night, and whoever that other team was, we don't really care. There was a discussion between Charles Barkley and one of the other commentators. And Charles Barkley referred to the fact that all of my friends are in that other place. They're not. And the commentator said to him, this is live air. You don't have to go there. You don't have to. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we won't share anything hardly about our faith. And here this commentator on air in just a providential timing, Charles, you don't have to be lost. And it doesn't matter how bad you've just sat there and said you are, it don't matter. Wherever sin increases in one's life, grace increases all the more. The Apostle Paul said, I'm the worst of the sinners. And I think he knew what he was talking about. I don't think he was just being like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm the worst. I am the worst of sinners. I killed God's people. I gave my approval when they were stoning the families of God. I am the worst of sinners. But his grace 
has changed me. God can change you through his son, Jesus Christ. But only through his son, Jesus Christ. You can't do it your way. You can't earn it. And you're not good enough. Because none of us are. We're all sinners and we've all fallen short of God's glory. But in Christ, we are redeemed, washed in the blood, and made as white as any lamb without blemish. We're his, we're saved, and we have the future of eternity in heaven. God can change you. He changed Mary. And I pray, if he has changed you, that you'll look at your life and say, I'm going to be more devoted to the Lord. I'm going to live for him every day. His church is going to be priority in my life because it is the pillar and foundation of proclaiming truth and seeing changed lives for those who don't know the Lord and come into a worship service and see his people praising him. They fall down and say what? Surely God is here. It can't happen without the family of God gathering on the first day of the week to worship and praise him. Next, John telling us it's early on the first day of the week, a Sunday morning, while it was still dark. Sometimes you'll see at sunrise. But the whole idea here is that just like the sunrise begins to come up, but it's not quite met the horizon, it's still dark, but there's, there's just a little bit of light, but it's still dark. It is at this early time in the morning, this first day of the week, what do we have again? According to John, Mary Magdalene, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Well, how did she know where he was placed? Do you know that Scripture tells us that she followed and watched closely with those involved? Joseph of Arimathea went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus on that Friday early evening Pilate could not believe Jesus had died so quickly. But Pilate releases Jesus' body to Joseph who wraps it in linen and places it in the tomb. And what does the scriptures tell us? Mary Magdalene was there watching where they laid the body. Loyal at his death on the cross. Loyal after his death. Following around. Seeing where they placed him in the tomb. But she is there early that morning and we see that the stone has been moved from the entrance. And we know that the angels of God moved that stone. Now what happens when she sees this stone removed? As you harmonize all of the gospels that give different insights and highlights of this resurrection morning. She's, she's stunned. She's, she's bewildered. She runs back to the house where Peter and John are. And she says, they've taken the body. They've taken the body. Doesn't sound like someone who believes that the resurrection has taken place. They've taken the body. And Peter and John hop up. And they run as fast as they can to the tomb. John's faster than Peter. John pauses at the entrance. Peter gets there and bows down and looks in. 
and then they go back home. Still not believing, thinking the body's been stolen, the body's been taken away. Mary thinks the very same thing. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. And we've really got to understand these words crying and wept in their Greek language was there was a bitter weeping. There was a like wailing. It wasn't just shedding a tear, a few sniffles. Mary broken hearted because the body of the one that had changed her life had been taken, stolen. She didn't know where it was. It was being dishonored, I think, in her mind. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you weeping? They've taken away my Lord. Still sees Jesus as her Lord. And I don't know where they have put him. Definitely doesn't believe his teaching about his resurrection. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. There's a lot of different reasons that people give for not understanding. I personally think Jesus did not reveal himself to her. He kept it hidden for his reasons. Just like later that day, the two men on the road to Emmaus, that Jesus walked and appeared to them. They didn't realize it was Jesus until he broke bread. And then they realized it was the Lord. Words were, weren't our hearts burning the entire time he was with us? Let us return to Jerusalem. But Mary thinks it's the gardener. She does not yet realize that it's Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And he says to her, who is it that you're looking for? And I think probably the most powerful part of scripture that we have, Jesus said to her, Mary. And it's that time she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She now sees the Lord. She is the first one that Jesus reveals himself to. Didn't reveal himself first to his mother. Did not reveal himself to Peter, to John, to the other apostles. Revealed himself to a woman and in that to Mary Magdalene. Now for anyone who believes that Jesus did not love women and that there was a male chauvinist type attitude. The male chauvinist The men are the most important may have been what man had brought about. But it was not what Jesus brought about. Women of God 
are some of, if not the most loyal and faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Why do you think Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first? We may never know until we get there. But he knew her love and devotion. And he rewarded it. And she was also the first witness to go back and tell the others, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord personally. Not an eyewitness, but I've seen him in scriptures. I've seen the Lord because I've seen what Jesus has done in my own life. And I've experienced through many years to see what Jesus has done in so many other people's lives. I've seen the Lord. I've seen him walk on water. I've seen him take five loaves of bread and two fish and multiply it to feed 5,000. We've seen the Lord. We're not eyewitnesses, but we've seen the Lord. The Lord moves in his spirit. Teacher, can you imagine the moment where she finally starts to get it? That it's you. You said this. You're not dead. It's you. Remember Jesus, in a little while you'll see me no longer. But then after a little while you'll see me again. We talked about this at our Good Friday service. It's true for us all. All of us who die in the Lord will be out of our loved one's lives for a little while. But then in a little while, just like Jesus at the resurrection of the dead, we'll see him again. What in this world is so important and so valuable and so much worthier than Jesus that anybody would spend their lives living for the things of this world instead of giving themselves to the Lord? Give yourselves to the Lord. Submit, surrender, cry out, repent, confess, be baptized into the watery grave and resurrected to new life just like Jesus Christ did as an example for each and every one of us. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. I love this passage of Scripture, but in the English language... You just don't get the force of what you see in the Greek. A lot of people will look at this passage in Scripture, and there's Mary. She's so excited. Oh, it's you, Jesus, Rabboni. But don't touch me. That's not the case. This word, hold, touch, actually cling, it's, it's a present tense verb, and it means this continuing action. What has happened here? What has absolutely happened here? Mary has fallen in the customary way. She's fallen on her knees and she's wrapped her arms around the knees of Jesus. It doesn't say it there, but that's what he's saying. Stop clinging to me is what he says. Go. Go tell my brethren that I am ascending to my father and their father, my God and their God. He's not been to stay. He's got to leave to send the Holy Spirit. But Mary's clinging. If you just think of this in terms of someone in your life that you truly deeply love and you miss, but they've passed from this life and they were there before you, 
would you grab a hold of them? Oh, my gosh. My 17-year-old brother was before me after being accidentally electrocuted to death. I would kiss him, hold him. If my dad, my mom, my grandparents, I know the same is true for you, but Jesus, the one who makes it all possible for us, the one who says that the one who's sitting beside you that you love, you'll see them again. That's what the empty tomb is. And I'll say it again as I said it earlier. The stone rolled away, not so Jesus could get out, but so that we could get in. That is the symbolization that when Jesus breathed his last, finished it, and said, God, into your hands I commit my spirit, and the darkness came over the land, and the temple curtain so thick was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing that now through the new covenant, through the blood of Jesus, we could enter and have a personal relationship with God, the one and only God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She goes to the disciples. She tells them, I've seen the Lord. She tells them everything that he said. They still didn't believe. But later he appears, and they believe. Jesus tells Thomas after his doubt, and this is really the message for us, Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. That's me. I've not seen in that way. I'm not an eyewitness, but I believe. And I want to be loyal and devoted. I want to have the spirit and the attitude and the character of Mary Magdalene, who loved Jesus so much. So 1 Corinthians 15, as we come to a close in our Easter service, Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. What I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Nothing more important than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And this morning as we close, our invitation to you is, if God in this moment has pricked your heart, if you are there saying, I believe, if you will confess his name publicly, he will honor you before the Father. But we really do need to be obedient to the gospel. And the gospel is that we hear a message. The Spirit convicts our heart to believe. We speak out in confession the words, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We turn away from the life that has not honored God. And as we choose willingly to be baptized, to be immersed, to be identified and united with the Lord in obedience to His command, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's really beautiful. But it takes a contrite, broken, humble heart that goes through those actions with the deepest sincerity and loyalty of realizing I'm doomed, I'm lost, I need a Savior. May God this morning bless your heart and spirit to make Him yours. Now at this time, I'm going to call Miss Cindy Coles to stand up and come up and uh, Matthew's going to come up also and but this is Cindy Coles and this is Bo Jangles this is a companion bird a service bird and this bird uh, just gives her calmness uh, one of these days, we'll share more of the story of Cindy, but it's been a difficult life. But she's been visiting with us now for about three months, and she has made the decision, as moved by the Spirit, to be baptized. So we're going to take her confession. <clears throat> Cindy, I'm going to ask you not to answer yes or no but to actually state it in your own words, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And do you believe that He died on the cross for you? And do you believe that you truly want Him for your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. There it is, right there. That simple and that beautiful. Let's start out, okay? We'll go this, this way. Ethan, would you come up, bud? Go that way. So we have uh, another very exciting moment today. Uh, my friend Ethan, my main man Ethan. Um, we, can you go? We up? Can you go off the steps? To go together, okay. Um, to a team conference that I actually referenced earlier, but uh, a lot happened at that conference. There was um, the simple truth that for my life to change, I have to accept the life that Jesus offers me. And I know Ethan, when reading through God's Word, um, Romans 6 uh, stuck out to him. And that's actually what's on your baptism certificate. So these verses, I know, are very impactful for you. And I want them to be heard uh, among everyone here. That Romans 6, 3 through 5 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized?